Well, today is Palm Sunday. We, we commemorate the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. Very interesting. Jesus is the model of someone who was ready to go. In fact, this today Palm Sunday message I've entitled, Ready, Willing, and Able. That's kind of an older phrase. Some of the older people would remember, you know, this person was ready, willing, and able. You know, you can be able and willing, but if you're not ready, it doesn't count. You can be ready, but if you're not willing or able, it doesn't count. So most good things in our life happen because we're ready, we're willing, and we're able. Jesus was the epitome of that. He was ready, willing, and able. When I went to Bible college back in the, in the uh, mid-70s, uh, one of the things that I noticed that uh, I, I entered Bible college at 19, and there were guys that were like maybe a, a couple years older than me that came into Bible college. And I noticed the guys coming in from the Marines and the Navy and, and Army. Um, I don't remember uh, going to school with any guys in the Air Force. They were just airheads. They were somewhere flying, and they didn't make it to Bible college. But the guys that I knew from the military, they had a discipline that I really envied. Because they'd had it drilled into their mind that, you know, you, 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 you get your bunk and your stuff squared away. When you enter the military, you don't just come in and say, hey, you know, army of one, I'm going to choose my own haircut. They go, that's great, army of one. <laughs> Especially in the Marine Corps. They're going to break you down. They're going to take away your pride and your individual self, and you're going to be proud to be a Marine. Just ask Franklin Schmelzler. He'll tell you that any time. Semper Fi, you know. Well, I didn't, I didn't uh, have the opportunity or didn't take the opportunity to go in the military. And there was a reason because we were just finishing up the Vietnam War, and I didn't really want anyone shooting at me. I really esteemed me. <laughs> and so I didn't go in the military, but I've always supported it. But one thing I saw, the guys that, that, that knew how to shine their shoes and they were ready in the morning and they had their devotions and they prayed and they were disciplined there. They, they didn't come into Bible college because they didn't have something else to do. But they had determined that after their, their two-year stint uh, in the service, they wanted to serve the Lord. And so they had that good-to-go attitude. Their, their bunk was squared away. They were up in the morning and they were with it. And, 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 and I always used to tell my buddies, and some, one of them, Chuck Eastman, still a dear friend, he's in Springfield, Missouri, just, he's pastored, he's, he's got a, a business that's all across Missouri now, cleaning uh, uh, the, the grease traps out of all these restaurant fans, and so he and his sons have this very successful business doing that, but, but uh, Chucky was uh, a Marine, and to this day, I always tell him just what an example he was of a guy that loved Jesus. And when I visited him back in Springfield one time, Springfield, Missouri, went to church with him, and he had about five or six guys he was discipling, showed me his guys, and we did a Bible study together. Good to go. Ready, willing, and able. That's what Palm Sunday is about, because Palm Sunday was Jesus knowing the suffering knowing the sacrifice that he was going to face in Jerusalem, had determined and told his guys in Galilee, we're going up to Jerusalem. And he explained to them on that journey that he was going to be killed 
Now, I don't know about you, but <laughs> that whole thing of being killed, I would just soon drive another block. You have a choice. You know, head south, and somewhere around Wairika is an ambush. <laughs> I'm really prone to head for Grants Pass and parts north. But Jesus was ready and willing and able to, to do what it took to fulfill the Father's will, to bring salvation to us. One of the things I'm going to be emphasizing very clearly today is it was not happenstance, it was not an accident that Jesus went to the cross. He didn't bumble into it and, oh, okay, it's a surprise, but I'll obey the Father. Jesus knew that it was important that he go to the cross. This is what divides us from other religions. We are the only faith on the earth that has a sacrifice lamb whose blood can take away our sins. You will not go to heaven if your sins are not paid for, and you cannot be self-insured. Your insurance was warped and ruined after your first sin. There's only one solvent that can take away sin, and that's the blood of Jesus. And the blood of Jesus could not be shed if Jesus was not ready, willing, and able to take that march and show up at Jerusalem for the appointed time to lay his life down and rise from the dead. Looking at Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11, we see the historic account from Matthew's uh, recording of when Jesus made his triumphal entry, which is very interesting. He triumphantly entered the city on a donkey. He triumphantly entered a city to be butchered. But he's going to come to the same city someday. He's not going to come back the second time on a donkey. He's coming back on a white horse. He's not coming as the suffering servant. He's coming back as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's not coming back as the lamb that was slain, which was this triumphal entry. He's coming back as the lion of the tribe of Judah. Come on now. There's another coming that's shortly ready to take place, which is Christ coming again. And he's going to kick over the tables one more time. And, and everybody who's mocked him will have a different point of view when he returns. But let's look at the triumphal entry uh, prior to uh, the Passover or Easter when Jesus laid down his life. Now, when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives... Then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. Wouldn't it be neat to go shopping that way? Amazon, the master says, I have need of these things. Kim would love it, even more than she loves Amazon right now. And so Jesus is saying, hey, go and send for the donkey and just tell a, a guy that the, the, the king, uh, the master has need of him and, uh, and immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet saying, tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. 
Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Hosanna means save now, or Jehovah, save us now. Save us now, Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. This was the original flash mob. Have you ever seen footage of flash mobs? I remember seeing one, I think it was taken from like uh, England, possibly London or Birmingham. And, and so a guy stood up and he's going, the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ and of his Christ. And then someone said, and he shall reign. A few other ladies, they stand up in the mall at the courtyard. And he shall reign forever and ever. There are more people. Forever and ever. And all of these surprised people are looking around as like this, this big choir of about 50 to 75 people are singing the Hallelujah Chorus. King of kings and Lord of lords. King of kings and Lord of lords. That's even better than my door uh, hanging. Yeah. Flash mob. Think about this. There was no advanced crew saying, hey, when Jesus comes into the city, I want, I want you to get everybody from the neighborhood and we're going to come here and we're going to throw our clothes down for Jesus to ride over and, and bring palm fronds and wave and have him uh, walk on some of those or ride on some of those and then wave some. But this was a spontaneous thing that the Holy Spirit did. These people didn't realize that they were fulfilling prophecy, but but the Bible said this was to fulfill the prophecy that he would come in riding the colt, a foal of a donkey, and that, and that he was to come in lowly. And so we see that this, this mob of people were going before Jesus. You're saying, where were they at the crucifixion? Well, truly, at the trial of Jesus, that was almost a private matter. The whole city wasn't there when Jesus was tried. You know, the result of it spread throughout the city, but with the trial of Jesus, as we see, you know, as we look at Easter, was actually a smaller group of people, and most of the people that were in that group were against Jesus. <laughs> so it was almost like a lynch mob. But here was some of the common people that were led of God to honor Jesus. And Jesus is showing up. And, they're, and, the, and the rest of the people that were seeing this are going, who is this? And then the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. You see, not everyone knew exactly who Jesus would be and how he would, he would do what he did. See, for the Jews, they had a different understanding of what the triumphal entry should look like. They were thinking through natural eyes. Oftentimes, we look through natural eyes. Sometimes... Kim and I will talk to someone and they'll say that someone's doing well and we go, oh, that means they're serving the Lord with all their heart. Oh, no, no, they're just doing well financially. We go, that's not doing well. How do you know that it takes more than just be making money to, to be doing well? You've got to be able to say it's well with my soul. Uh, when you're broke, money is a big thing. I'm not, you know, I'm not demeaning it or we'd have to give back the offering. We, we can use money. We all need money. 
But there are other things that we need more than money. We need to have peace with God. We need to be following the will of God. And so Jesus surprised even the people that were with him because they kept thinking that this man with such power and authority was going to suddenly say, okay, I'm the king and Rome's done. They'll no longer oppress our people. They were expecting a king who would be greater than Solomon and David, and they were going to have a new golden empire and rule of, of uh, Jerusalem and Israel that was going to eclipse anything that they'd seen in the past. And Jesus was not even operating on that plane. He was wanting to gain something which is beyond something we can touch. Many people drive by our location on Table Rock and they go, there's joy. Uh, no, that's Joy's building. <laughs> Joy Church is all over the city. Joy Church is now actually spreading into other cities and other countries. See, the Church of Jesus Christ might meet in buildings or out in orchards or other places, but the church is what Jesus loves the most. He loves people. See, he made a whole universe to house humans. <laughs> And, and so making a universe, it only took him six days to do that. It's taken him like whole centuries to try to get it squared away. So the kingdom that God wants to bring and rule in our hearts is the greater thing that Jesus came to do. He came to give us freedom to be free of our sin so that we can focus our energy on serving the Lord and so as he was entering triumphantly, many of these people that were waving the palm fronds, they think, this is it, victory time. He's coming in, and then everyone's going to have to acknowledge who he is. And then somewhere within a week later, he was on trial. His disciples were total panic. They primarily fled him. Because everything that he seemed to do was washing up except he was being faithful to the will of the Lord, and the victory was greater than setting a nation free. He liberated the whole world spiritually, gave the world the potential to be free. Today, you will not be set free by Jesus spontaneously. You must believe. Coming to church and listening to me talk does not make you a Christian hearing people preach, hearing the worship, and you choosing to love Jesus, that does make you a Christian. But you're, it's not automatic. Many people would like it. Well, God knows my address. If he wants to change me, let him just kind of seize me. He doesn't work that way. That's Lady Cleo that you call on the dial -a witch or whatever it is. <laughs> Satan will possess you and take away your will. God will always say, take up your cross every day and lay your life down. It's easier to serve the devil than it is God. Because every day I have to wake up and say, am I ready, willing, and able, like Jesus? So we see that here's Jesus. He's going to come and set the world free, but not the way they thought it would be. Clue. God's going to set you free, but it won't be in your special way. Eh, sorry. Try again. Well, I was thinking it'd be this and this. It never is that way. I thought ministry was going to be so easy. I thought that people were just going like to bow down. Whatever you want me to do, pastor. No, it doesn't work that way. Almost, but not quite. So let's get right into this. Ready.
Jesus was always willing to obey the Father. It was prophesied that he, Jesus, would desire to do the will of God. Psalm 40, verses 6 through 9, Sacrifice and offering you have not desired, but you have given me an open ear, or my ear you've pierced. Jesus had an open ear to the, the Father. Back in, in, uh, the, under the Levitical law, there was an opportunity if a man had been like an indentured Hebrew slave to a master and, and after the seven years or the six years on the seventh year he was to be freed, he could say, my, my family and I have prospered under you. Would you pierce my ear? And they would take his ear up against a, 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 a door lintel and use an awl and, and pierce the ear and that was a sign that you're a slave of your master for life. That's what Jesus was. He was a lifer in obeying the will of the Father. Not only did he have an open ear to hear, but he had a pierced ear because of his desire to do the will of God. Burn offering and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, behold, I have come in the scroll of the book. It is written of me. I desire to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. I have told the glad news of deliverance to, in the great congregation. Behold, I have not restrained my lips, as you know, O Lord. This was Jesus. He was ready. He was on the road to Jerusalem. Not at all naive as to what he faced. It was also prophesied that, that Jesus would have a zeal for God's house. In John chapter 2, verses 16 through 17, and he said to those who sold doves, Take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. Then his disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house has eaten me up. I want to just say this, that the number one thing that I pray for every new believer that's born again in this house is God, let them be so consumed by zeal that every other distraction looks like a complete washout compared to your passion for the Lord. <laughs> I, I remember back in, in uh, sorry kids, it sounds like really old, but 1971 in March, okay, March of 1971 is when I had my adult conversion, and it bit me. It hit me hard. I was smitten. I can't imagine anything that attracts me that much. Money, money, I need it. I use money, but it's not something I'd sell my soul for. Glory, that's so fleeting. Zeal for your house. What's it mean, the house of the Lord? Is it the building? Well, I think there's something when we clean the building up, but zeal for the house of the Lord is God who can ascend to the holy hill of God be a part of his house? But he that has a clean heart, a pure heart, and clean hands, and whose eyes a vile person is condemned, isn't given to usury, doesn't take up a reproach against his neighbor. The house of the Lord is this composite of all the believers around the world. And I'm allured by their excellence. I listen to many guys preach. I go, oh God, someday I want to be a Christian. I watch certain people as the way they serve the Lord with such sacrifice. I go, dear Lord, someday I would like to be a Christian.
Say, aren't you a Christian? Yeah, I am. But see, when you get around the body of Christ and you really see excellence, it makes you feel like you're way out. And it's healthy. It's a lot better than this, I'm all that plus a bag of chips. Hello. Go look in the mirror again. Zeal for your house. Lord, I don't want to hurt your house. Lord, I want all my babies to be born. I want my house to love your house, God. God, I, I didn't have four children and sons and daughters in the Lord to see them raise their children and give them as hostages to the world. That's what Jesus had zeal for God's house. I was thinking about Jesus. Every time he spoke, he had spiritual conversations. He'd turn a well talk into living waters talk. He would turn a planting talk into the seed sown talk. I was thinking, Lord, help me to up my game. Sometimes I just have superficial talk and I leave it there. Zeal consumes. Jesus was ready. He was willing. John 5.30 said, I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous. Because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. I was talking about the numbers of years that I've spent in ministry. I got turned on to Jesus at 16, and I immediately began to win souls. And I was like a, a minor imitation of Johnny. Johnny wins young people and gets their whole family coming to church here. Some of you came here through Johnny. How many adults are here because Johnny yanked you out or flyered you or something? Right there. Okay. One. Wow, that really is pretty good. Made, made me look like I'm really telling the truth, doesn't it? You know, <laughs> one paid example. Thank you, PJ. And, um, <clears throat> but I got turned on when I was 16. Okay. And, um, and so I've preached and preached and preached. Youth groups, planted a, a campus ministry at Portland State University, worked as an assistant assembly of God, worked as a youth uh, president, pastor at the Pentecostal Church of God, also at Faith Tabernacle. And then Kim and I got married and we planted the church one year after our marriage. So been here since I was 27 years old and now I'm 30. And, uh, and uh, it's been a rough three years. So what I'm, I'm just credentializing the fact that I've talked to a lot of people. Is that okay? 40 plus years of serving the Lord and ministering all that time, you, you, you talk to humans. Ministry's not talking to your dog. It's talking to people, working with people. The watershed difference I find with people is concerning their will. Jesus said, they will know, he that desires to do my will shall know the doctrine, whether it be of God. I find there's two kinds of people, and they're going to slide down this steep, steep peak of a roof. You're going to either slide to, I'm going to work God to bless my hustle, or I serve at the pleasure of the king. I, I can... I, there are whole churches in our valley that never confront people and their will in this manner. 
They only preach how Jesus wants to love you. He wants to love you. He wants to take away your sin. He wants to make your daughter cheer queen. But see, it was the same father that really loved his son that was telling his son, get on up the trail and go die. It's that same father that's going to work through the Holy Spirit and he's going to call some of us to lay our life down. We probably will never be asked to, to die on a cross because we couldn't take away the sins of the world by doing that. But he may ask us and does ask us to lay our life down and we either live for ourselves, or we live for God. It's always gone that way. And so I find that when someone comes in and they're really submitted to the will of God, it's easy. We can get our business done in 10 to 13 minutes and then we just take the rest of the hour and we have coffee and we love on each other. But I've worked with other people who are doing their own trip and begged them for up to three hours to follow God's plan. If you're not one that follows God's plan, you are much more difficult to work with because there will be a collision. It's just a matter of time. And the neat thing is the mercy of God is there that when you collide against the brick wall, he will forgive you. But I want to tell you something. Joy's not here to train you how to be a good repenter. We only want you to be an average repenter. We want you to be a great obeyer. I don't want to be one that's really good at telling Kim I'm sorry. I want it to be like I have to rip some teeth out to have to say I'm sorry because every day I love her with all my heart. And I'm not used to saying I'm sorry because I'm not living a sorry life. I'm living a life of someone that loves her and honors her. And before God, I don't want to be a great repenter, which means I'm practicing it because day after day I'm just self-will and self-will and self-will. I want my life to be like Jesus and Thy will, O oh God, be done. When's the last time you had to majorly repent? I think it was 71. There's been some adjustments along the way. This church is about helping you, my friends, to grow up and not just always be subterranean. We got a rescue crew to get you out of the, out of the bottom of the well. But we're here to help you architecturally construct a tower of God's goodness in your life and for your babies and your children. Let's build something beautiful. And it comes because you're like Christ and you say, it's written to me. He or she came in the volume of all that's been recorded to do the will of God. Oh dear, we ask you to teach today. I want to preach. I want to get in your heart. I want to put a fire in your heart that you don't need a committee to wake you up. You wake up every day and you're spitting nails. You see what's going on around you. You want to see people saved. You want to see people in your connect group stop swimming in the pool of the cesspool of disobedience and then subsequent repentance. I want to run with a bunch of guys. We're running hard up the trail. 
and every one of us are, are sleek and we're swift and we already know what team we're playing for. We already know we're going to serve God. We already know we're going to engage the enemy. We already know we're going to take some wounding. We already know that people are going to drop away. What's that got to do with my mandate? I was called to serve the King of Kings. Until he returns or until I die and he has the freedom to take me out at his will. Until then, man, whew, battling the clock right now. So much to say. Jesus was willing to lay down his life. Matthew 20, verses 17 through 19. Now Jesus, going up to Jerusalem, took the 12 disciples aside. This is prior to triumphal entry. Jesus pulled his boys there, heading as one scripture said, he set his face towards Jerusalem. This 33, 34-year-old kid, the God-man, 34, 33, looks really young to me now. He's got eye of the tiger about getting there and accomplishing the mission. And he's walking with his boys and he said, guys, we need to pull aside. Took them into a little enclave off the road and said, huddle up, guys. Behold, we're going up to Jerusalem and the Son of Man will be betrayed. Oh, I'm not going to serve the Lord because I was betrayed. My friend, sir or ma'am, maybe you were abandoned. Maybe someone just tore your heart up and left you, cheated on you and tore your heart out. You're not the first person to be betrayed. Jesus said, hey, I'm going to be betrayed to the chief priests, to the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify, and the third day he will rise again. That's willingness, ready, willing, and now able. Because he was ready and willing, and he went through it. Hebrews 7 tells us what he's able to do. Hebrews 7, 25 through 28 says, Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him. Man, I was so glad when Jesus took away my sins in 1971, but that's not where it ends. You're a Christian now. I guess we just kind of wait around. Yeah, but I've got traffic and noise in my head. Do you know my body is so much kinder to me than my mind? How many find out that most of your hang-ups are in your head? They're not in your toenails. You go to a pedicurist for that, or a manicurist. Most of my troubles are in the way I think, and I get my feelings hurt, and I'm mad at people. Sometimes I just look in the mirror and go, oh my God, you're fat. And I'm mad at me for eating too much. And then I'm really mad until the next meal. And then all of a sudden I repent of that and I eat more. <laughs> Jesus wants to do more than just get us to heaven. He wants to come in and deal with every issue that's going to hold you back and keep you from looking like him. He's going to save you to the uttermost and get you from the guttermost. Come on, say uttermost. It sounds like a dairy farmer. Uttermost. uttermost. Save you completely. Save you completely. 
I want to be saved completely. I want to see that tower that God's trying to build in my life. I don't want to just see the bottom of the well again. I want to see the tower. I want to be apprehending what I've been apprehended for. It's not done in this old boy's life. It's not done in your life. Thank you for the four people in the back. They're scared. <laughs> if I don't clap, that man might get even more bizarre than he is right now. Are we enjoying some preaching this morning? Yeah. We enjoying the fact that God loves you. He wrote a whole Bible and I recommend a version. It's called the Holy Bible. It's holy and it's beautiful. And the Bible said here, he is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him. Since he always lives to make intercession for them. Jesus not only did everything he did while he walked on the earth and when he laid his life down and subsequently rose from the dead. So then he went on and took his next post. And it moves me. When I feel all alone sometimes, and occasionally we all feel alone. How many have ever felt alone? You can be alone, you can be married, certain things, heartaches your wife can't take, your husband can't take. You just, you go in alone. And Jesus is always praying for you. <laughs> when I feel all alone, I know one thing. I've got, I've got, I've got my counselor up to the Father. And he's saying, look at Steve. Yep, we spank him frequently, Father, but he loves you. And he can't quit. He can't give up. We got to pull him through. We got to pull David through right now. We got to pull him through. Jesus is interceding for us in our struggle, whether it's health or whether it's money or whether it's loneliness. The Bible said he ever lives to make intercession for us. <laughs> High priest that cannot die and will not die. And he's interceding for us. I don't know about you. It makes me want to, kind of, want to cooperate with this process. Let me finish up here. Stop, stop stopping me, you guys. For such a high priest was fitting for us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens, who does not need daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifices, first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints as high priest men who have weakness. But the word of the oath which came after the law appoints the son who has been perfected forever. Jesus, we're here. I'm going to pray with my eyes open if you guys don't mind. Jesus, we're here to honor you on Palm Sunday. to say, God, we're, we're not certain why we just are tempted, prone to wander, have crazy thinking. But we look at you and you walk the whole path from the time you were a little kid all the way to being seated at the right hand of the Father praying for us. 
We say thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. I need you to keep praying for me because I'm still a goof and a wreck. If you'll pray for me, I'll grip my teeth and I'll move forward every day, Lord. And these guys will too. I can feel it. It's a crazy bunch of people, Lord. You should see the way they love you. They clean the church. They care for people. Their eyes are filled with tears over broken people. They give away money to needy people. Help us, Lord. Be our high priest forever, God. We're speaking to you, Jesus. You are both man and God. You are the Son of God. We acknowledge that. In Jesus' name. Some of your best prayers are when you're driving and you should keep your eyes open. Last question. Are we ready to admit our need for what Jesus, actually it's three questions. Are we ready to admit our need for what Jesus did on the cross for us? Are you going to go it on your own or how many of you say, I'm not, man, I need Jesus to be my insurer for my sins, my problems. No self-insurance here. Number two, are we willing to obey him? Is there a desire to quit just running to the mercy well and actually drink the waters of grace that will build more than just mercy all the time? Think of it in a marriage. Would you like to just have a relationship that's so broken, all you do is say you're sorry? Or would you like to go build something with the one you love? And see, are we able to live our life in similar fashion as he did? 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15 says it this way, and this is our concluding thoughts. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all. Therefore, all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Wow. What's the message of Palm Sundays? This Palm Sunday? It's Jesus came ready, willing, and able. And, he wants to, and he's asking me the question, are you? And I'm asking you the question, are you ready, willing, and able, or do you have maybe some excuses? Let me tell you the beauty of excuses. No matter how thin they are, they always work. Many people will set out their whole generational coupon making excuses why they didn't head to their Jerusalem, why they didn't just march into the fear and let God deliver them and bring them through it. Are you ready, willing, and able? Let's stand up. Today is such a great day to make peace with God. You see, I didn't know I was at war with God. Did you know that our sinful behaviors are at war against the holiness of God? And when we live our lives only for ourselves, that's a perpetual war against God. The beauty of the gospel is this, that every person that will call upon the name of the Lord and say, hey, Lord, I need help. I've sinned quite a bit. And I know that paying it forward, 
feeling bad about what I've done is not enough. I need a solvent to take away sin, stain out of my life. And I want to join God. Joy has a weird way of doing an altar call. I, I would call it a brave altar call. Everything we do at Joy, we, we, we run through the brave door. Because there's something about when, you, when you're proud of what you're doing and you're not ashamed of it. When I met and married Miss Kim Kofaro, she was gorgeous on, her, on the wedding day, as she has been every day since. But that was a special day when I looked and I saw my beautiful bride coming in white to say she identified with me and wanted to be with me. That's what I, I, I call our altar calls. It's people saying, hey, I don't know, come here from Sikkim, but I want to join God. I believe Jesus paid for my sins. I believe that Jesus wants me, but I want to let him know. I want to, I want to marry him. I want to be a part of the whole God thing. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I want my sins forgiven. I want a brand new life. If that's you, I'd like every one of you that came here looking for something new. This is what you're looking for. Trust me. We're not here to just kind of help you a little bit. We're here to help you all the way. We don't want to just give you a fish today. We want to give you a fishing pole. We want to help you by giving you God when God is in your life. Hallelujah. Come on down. Come on down. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I believe there's a number of individuals that... You want to completely surrender your life to Jesus. Come on, let's just get the work done, guys. Come on down. Why wait a few more weeks? You know it's going to be miserable. Get down here and get saved. Join God. Let him take away your sins. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Let's all pray together. Dear Father, I need you. I thank you for all that you've done to make the way of life available. You gave Jesus Christ to be the one who lived and walked among us, laid his life down, shed his blood to wash away my sins. And then he rose from the dead. That was the world's greatest receipt. Thank you, Father, for the blood of Jesus. I ask you, Lord, Lord, Take away my sin. Change my heart. Change my mind. Make me new on the inside. If you'll be my God, I'll be your servant. If you'll be my father, I'll be your child. I receive you this day. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to pray with the rest of us. Sometimes I'll see on TV advertisements that tell me how worthy I am of this. You deserve this car. You deserve this toothpaste. And you know what goes on in my mind when I hear any one of those commercials? I deserved to be thrown into the pit of, uh, the pit of fire. What I earned, the one thing I've earned in this life is death. The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life. 
How many of you know that we're in a culture that always wants to affirm you just the way you are, and the Bible tells us some improvement may be, may be required? How many of you say, I want to go and follow Jesus, not just be a benefactor. I want to follow Jesus with my life, with my will. I'm going to put my will under his will. If that's you today, how many of you want to serve God and willingly follow him? I'd like us to raise our hand as an act of submission to him. Hallelujah. Could you pray this with me? Dear God, I want your will to be my will. I know, Lord, that sometimes I'm unwilling, but I pray, Lord, do not stop. Keep convicting me. Keep talking to me. Until I submit to you, Lord, I do not want to stop my progress because, Lord, you're building something great, a beautiful tower in my life. Thank you, God. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.